0: Say just a toy story or a four-in-a-box. These are the stories of action, toy, glory, and work clock. And H fake you black series or hot toys and Figures with transformation sequences that make noise. Check out the joints and the many points of articulation. We're celebrating the global collector nation. Sit back, relax, and get ready to rock this. Here's the real chow. Welcome. I am
1: Conscious. so excited to have our guest for this episode of Shelf Conscious. I've always wanted to be a guest on blank check uh, with Griffin and David, and this is probably the best alternative to have griffin be on this show please welcome (laughs) to shelf conscious griffin newman
0: i i will say i am feeling genuinely uh shelf conscious because your (laughs) collection is so like organized and camera ready and i just had to spend the last 20 minutes uh Reorganizing to a different corner of my apartment <laughs> that was slightly more photogenic, but I I don't I don't really have my shit together.
1: It's all uh, shelf wise. Yeah. You don't you don't have to. Uh, you know this is this is more of a merchandise spotlight than <laughs> <yeah>. sure <laughs> sure.
0: Well, that's why I'm choosing. I'm I'm gonna spotlight on a, a one curated somewhat organized corner <laughs> of a collection rather than the mess that is and the rest of my. And for what it's, it's worth,
1: Orco is not the only thing you collect. One of the reasons you're on Correct. this show is that I know from being a fan of Blank Check. I can follow you on social media is that yeah. you yourself are a action figure collector. I mean, I've seen you on, on uh, Dan Larson's show. I, yeah, I see you yeah. talk about it. You, the merchandise spotlight is my favorite segment that is too infrequent on blank check. Cause you don't and look, I agree. <laughs> you I'm, don't do I'm enough, constantly not a lot fighting. of John Carpenter action figures is what I'm saying.
0: Well, <laughs> NECA has been filling in those <laughs> gaps. That's true. The, the Kurt
1: Russell thing figures. A couple really cool. of them,
0: right. They did those and then they've had their run of like the sort of retro figures um so i have the the they live sets that True. they did
1: I, john carpenter was the wrong i just said that because that was the most recent i know no no i know like, I think nancy they're... myers doesn't have a lot <laughs>
0: Correct. that's a better example there was a john carpenter void for a while and i feel like neck has been stepping up to the plate i mean it's bizarre i think i did a merchandise spotlight on that this episode but we did our episode on the on the fog yeah and I was like, it's such a change of winds that Carpenter is so hip now that they make an action figure of Captain Blake, who is a character you never see.
1: Right.
0: Like, well, he's literally thing. just a silhouette with eyes the whole movie. And you can buy, like... They have two different Captain Blake figures <laughs> now. They have, like, a Toonie, Terror, and a Retro.
1: It's almost, like, too many action figure options nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, literally it's, everything it's gets to I don't
0: know. I mean, we're just going straight into the deep end here. Yeah, I don't know go. if you have this, too, but I've, I've shared this conversation with a lot of other collectors, but I feel like the pandemic was terrible for my collecting Mm -hmm. impulses. Just because it's like, you're stuck at home so much, you're going out so much less. It's like one of the few things you can do that feels active is like searching for items right
1: ebay Big know? Bad toy store all that stuff right, right. <laughs> trying to find
0: you know fill in missing holes but also trying to find good deals on things and these pre-orders and whatever and it
1: was also just like
0: when things were really locked down receiving boxes with yeah. new things from the outside world felt like such a joy but i've talked to so many friends on where i'm just like out of room don't know how to <laughs> put anything anywhere now
1: you know, I guess I need to move. Yeah. Were you a hunter because I and you know, New York, Manhattan isn't it's like the best place yeah. to go hunting for toys. No, I I
0: I am. I mean, I lived um I lived in East Harlem for a couple of years and there's like a big Target near there. For a while it was one of the only Targets in New York city. Now they've been more popping up, but they're mostly sort of like mini Target Expresses mm-hmm. that don't really they don't have big have...
1: aisles, right?
0: They might have like one toy aisle and they don't have the sort of like NECA collector section at all. But there was one that did that was like two blocks away from me that I would troll a lot. And then the other thing I do, I mean, and even in the pandemic, it became like the one thing I could actively do is just I, I rarely can walk by a Walgreens without going in just to see like what if they have the one legends figure I'm looking for, you know? And and New York Walgreens, I mean they're Dwayne Reeds here, are small enough as well that like you don't have an expansive display. But like the feeling of finding a good one is is quite the rush.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and for what it's I mean, anyone who's listening to this show knows, but like for mm-hmm. like the normies out there yes you go to walgreens to buy toys like that's that's something that people do <laughs> it's it's few and far between because they they, they never fucking like up, update their their stock well, and inventory right. but
0: and especially in lieu of like post toys r us i mean that's the big shift is like for so many years it was we had this fucking gargantuan I'm, I'm allowed to curse on yes. this or am i all, making work please, for you having to please pull do all this out?
1: curse all you like that's that makes the show even better
0: I never realize how much I curse
1: until I go on to someone else's show and then haven't asked that question. I'm like, it's the only
0: time I get self-conscious about it.
1: I mean, are there even podcasts that don't have the explicit rating anymore? It's like every podcast is there explicit. Are, you know?
0: Sometimes I'll say fuck casually like that and I'll see someone wince and then that's why I ask. <laughs> I'm like, uh, am I making more work for you yeah. later? Um, there was the gargantuan Toys R Us in Times Square and there yeah. used to be other Toys R Us's as well uh, across the five boroughs, but that made hunting a lot easier even if we didn't have any walmarts Mm -hmm. and few targets you know and then all the comic book stores um that i would troll and i think the number of comic book stores has shrunk Mm. and there are more targets with a limited selection toys r us is gone so like internet baby (laughs) well internet yeah but i do miss hunting so it's like it's why i said i truly Unless I'm running horribly late, which is often a thing, if I walk past a Walgreens, I go in, beeline to the toy section, see if there's anything, and walk out, which makes me... (laughs) <laughs> not shelf conscious but self conscious I think I always read to people like I'm a shoplifter
1: because I like walk
0: in go to one aisle and walk out because no that's the thing no one, goes to no one goes right. to pharmacies
1: no one goes to pharmacies empty handed though like if you right. go into a pharmacy you're getting something you're getting but, like, tissues but weirdos like right. us go in look right. at toys and I literally and leave. walk
0: in and I go like oh you still only have like tombstone <laughs> from the vulture builder figure wave <laughs> yeah that's an interesting thing too is regionally I just feel like I know what like the four Marvel Legends figures are that still like are peg warming here <laughs> right that it just it, it feels like regionally across all locations it's the same four that every location has and then I'll hear or I'll see on like message boards and shit right. other people complain about like we can't get rid of these figures and they're figures I've never seen in person once and then the ones that they're looking for are Grails. I'm like they're like overflowing <laughs> with them <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, I, feel like, like I think we had like was yellow. The one for years. We
1: had yellow Daredevil here. I live in Maryland. Oh, yes,
0: yellow Daredevil was like a pox. I feel like a con.
1: <laughs> all Walgreens because that
0: was like the first. I feel like Walgreens Marvel Legends exclusive, and but, like over that, that dude it.
1: was like still in the store like last week. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he's been no, around for a long time.
0: Absolutely, and then like every. I feel like Walgreens exclusive since then has been understocked. Like that was the balance.
1: <laughs> it was because like, they're still waiting to to sell out. So sell they can't through, figure yeah, out the down. right
0: number. Yeah. But yeah, I do know the yeah. thrill of the hunt's a big part of it. And I have more been ordering stuff online and placing those pre-orders, but I like, I reluctantly have become a pre-order guy yeah. because I don't, I don't think it's as fun, but it also feels like nowadays, not only is it harder to find these things in person, but the things sell out. It's like if yeah. you don't get the pre-order in, then you're fucked. I mean, and, even the pre-orders. the secondary prices are so huge. Yeah. And the
1: pre-orders fill up so like, fast. Like, because they, you know, speaking of the internet, they have these bots yep. and they have these, you know, yes. like AI, I guess, that, that makes it so much more difficult for normal people, again, yes. or normal collectors to... Uh, to order. Like, I'm a, I'm a big G.I. Joe classified guy, as you can probably see oh, right
0: here. I, I, man, I am so relieved I don't collect that line <laughs> because that one just seems like a fucking nightmare. All it the was the worst. I read. Yeah. It was
1: the worst. It was the worst. Yeah. I love it. I love it to death. It's my favorite toy line in the last couple of years. But in terms but... of
0: getting those figures, I mean, I feel like it's notorious at this point for being the worst mass market line to collect in terms of how quickly the pre-orders fill up, how bad yeah. the distribution is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hasbro, It's I, I don't know what the deal is with Hasbro, honestly. It's like they have all of they're the, – they're the garbage gargantuan you yeah. know toy maker right now right and they and they can't get i mean i guess everyone's having supply chain problems whatever the fuck but like yeah. they've been having this like pre-pandemic you like i remember sh- looking I for star wars toys and it's it's impossible to find star wars toys you know five, yeah, and five it's, years it, ago
0: it's similar to the same thing where you're just like i i cannot go into any walgreens without seeing uh uh Jin Erso and cassian <laughs> and and then I can't find any black series from the last four years.
1: Right. You know? <laughs> There's still in and the old o- boxes. <laughs> right.
0: And then occasionally I'll like walk in and I'll see a brand new one, but it's not one I want. <laughs> and it's almost more frustrating because you're like, you only have this one figure left. You must have gotten the whole wave. I now know that they're in circulation part of me wants to buy it just to be like well i know i'm never probably gonna see this again Right.
1: but it's also right. like you're doing I'm your not part get it off batch. the shelf so that the new right. ones can come through right now. right right. <laughs> right but
0: i'm like leave this for someone who's actually collecting this <laughs> sub you know this the carl weathers or this the sub or something
1: my my target is right. still full of him uh grief cargo but yeah i don't i feel like yeah i don't know but the the and fool is is, is relative, yeah. right? Because there's like three yeah. grief cargos on the peg, and that's literally right. the entire Star Wars section at the at the toy store. Or I guess at he's the, toy the one aisle.
0: there's the most of here. But yeah, I feel like now I just don't see black series anywhere. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah, but this is not a bitch fest. We are not here to complain no, no, about no, toys. No, no,
0: no, We're just uh, sharing wounds <laughs> before we get into the the joy of the thing.
1: Exactly. Well, let me ask you, what where did yeah. it start? Because I know that on Blank Check or the you know the the show before it was Blank Check, you you know, where where I realized your your toy collecting passion was when you right uh, podcasted about this independent movie George Lucas made. And And Phantom Menace, right? That was a franchise starter
0: that never went anywhere.
1: Uh, (laughs) And you know your your obsession with contact chips and and all of that. So yeah, the '90s. You were you were a teenager, not quite a teenager. Uh, no, I'm a a little younger. So I
0: was uh, I was ten when Phantom Menace came out. So was that your
1: intro to toy
0: collecting? No, I would say like I have a very distinct memory of talking to a friend at school so i'm in fourth grade i'm 10 phantom s is about to come out i think i it the um what did, what did they call it midnight madness or mm, what was something the, like that.
1: The, the, right? the i mean they're called they're called force fridays now or now something like they that. are yeah, yeah but, but i'm I trying to remember
0: what, what the original before it was a branded hasbro <laughs> thing um what the original name was that i'm just blanking on now but i remember talking to a friend about being so excited and the leaks that had come out and what i wanted to get or whatever and i was just monologuing to him and i probably just went off about this for like two minutes about how i had been saving up my allowance for like six months because i knew <laughs> phantom menace was coming i didn't want to waste money on anything else because i knew i was going to hog wild on phantom menace and then uh i said what do you think you're going to buy after like just five minutes yeah, yeah. of unbroken stream of consciousness <laughs> and he went you still collect action figures <laughs> and 10. that was like right that was the first moment for me where i was like huh people are starting to phase out of this yeah so you ask where it started and it's more just the it never stopped thing you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you just I came out the
1: womb with a luke skywalker in your hand i think i just always loved uh
0: toys and i didn't shift out of it at the age where maybe I'm quote unquote supposed to well I mean none of and us did
1: no, <laughs> that's why we're no. on this show
0: <laughs> I think often you talk to like yeah. action figure collectors and there's maybe some dark period where they step away from it and for a lot of people I think it's maybe like high school is where you get yeah. self-conscious about it and then you come back around to it later I mean and adult I collecting
1: like, is primarily buying back the shit you got rid of when right. you were in high school yeah
0: right. I think um, not I think I know high school was was probably like the fever pitch for me like up until pandemic that was when it was uh most active for me like my Mm. parents would give me lunch money and i would uh not eat so that i had money left over or i'd get like the cheapest lunches strategically so i had money for like a (laughs) figure at the end of the week or whatever it was um well i'm I'm just
1: trying to picture like your your age and 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 the period because like So this is mid-2000s, I'm in high school, yeah. But before that, right, like Phantom Menace is 99, the toys are coming out, like maybe late 98, and that was like the resurgence of Star Wars, like 95 was Power of the Force where, or yeah, Power of the Force is when it came back after like a decade and a half of being away. And I also know that in the late 80s, early 90s, you had a thing for Batman, Did that also like... Transfer into, like, the Dark Knight collection or any of those, Uh, like, Toy Biz Batman toys from, like, the first 89? Because that's, I know you're really young then, but that's, like, sweet spot for buying toys for kids.
0: Yes. So my mom was, like, very overprotective. I was the first kid, and she didn't want me watching anything that was violent. So that whole wave of, like, 90s... Batman, Dark Knight, uh Toy Biz, X-Men, you know, all the Marvel animated series, Ninja Turtles, Power mm-hmm. Rangers. I couldn't watch any of those shows. So I like coveted them. <laughs> I I had a um a Cyclops figure that I think my mother bought for me by accident or someone gifted <laughs> to me. Like I remember from a very young age being one of like the first figures I had. It was the um what is it, the the X-Force? uh costume where it's the blue with like the the white x X. yeah 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 yeah. and i think it was from that first series where he just has like the light up feature and i had that and then a lot of the other action figures i had were like the things that i feel like are often notorious for being like underperforming action figures because they're boys properties that quote-unquote lack conflict Mm -hmm. and i was like all in on those so like Traditional action figures for whatever the big Disney movie was that year, you know, right. <laughs> and buying like the comic relief characters, you know, yeah, 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 like yeah. wanting like Phil from Hercules, <laughs> um, you know, or like Quasimodo who doesn't fight. Wait, did you they know? make
1: Quasimodo figures when Hunchback they came out? They
0: did. That was the other thing. Was it was always like hard to find because the majority of the Disney push would always be plush, mm-hmm. and then secondarily it would be like fashion dolls, right. Even when the movies were more boy-focused, I feel like that would be the hierarchy. And then third was like the action figures, but the action figures were always harder to find. Which- mm-hmm. Whichever company it would be at the time, like Mattel and Hasbro were always ping-ponging the main Disney Renaissance licenses. And I'd always be trying to find like the figure sets. <laughs> so I remember, yeah, I remember like being in on those lines. I mean, Hercules had a more robust line because it was like more of an action figure mm-hmm. thing. And I fucking loved hercules toy story was my biggest thing yeah like toy story was really if i had to pinpoint a thing where i think i went from being a like a kid who loved toys to more of the collector mentality it was toy story because i was like i want all of it like i need the representation of every character and then when know?
1: when toy story one came out did they have like because, you know, so many of the toys in the movie are yeah. retro toys, right? Like the the right. Mr. Potato Head and the the Slinky Dog and all that. Those yeah. are just, like, you know, old toys from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. But, like, was there, like, an in-scale Woody and Buzz, like, in 95? Because I remember, like, yeah. later in life seeing them yeah. in stores and go, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. But, like, I can't remember... 95 like 95 I was in high school I was a senior I'm a little bit okay. older than you Yeah. Uh, my thing was Batman Forever that year so right. I was more into that than uh and I was still into it at the time because I was sure. lucky because since I was older had a younger brother and I just pretended they were for him but they were secretly all mine my, my sister
0: <laughs> is is much younger and in high school I sort of used that as a transition point to stay in collecting and also to go <laughs> see animated movies opening weekend Where I'm yeah, like no, I'm buying this for her she really wants it and then after a week I'm like i'm just gonna keep it in my bedroom (laughs) because
1: yeah absolutely yeah Uh, but but yeah so but they were they were around like the like in scale it's a great question
0: i can go deep on this answer (laughs) so it was like every company passed on toy story yeah and it was both like they didn't want to license the big toys out to pixar as characters right so like them getting mr potato head was huge and slinky dog at that point was kind of like well slinky dogs aren't really in production anymore Slinky's a big thing but there's not a character associated Mm -hmm. with it bo peep was supposed to be barbie in the first movie but mattel wouldn't let it happen Mm -hmm. you know the things they got were sort of like assorted non-specific things without real characters tied to them like oh they got clearance for a specific hot wheels model or a troll in the background or whatever but it's a lot of generic toys army men and and stuff yeah Right, Potato Head's the only one who really has like brand name association, but they really made their own character with Potato Head, <laughs> and the design was different than like pieces that ever came with a Potato Head. Right. <laughs> they, they had their own visuals. So at the time, um, every toy company passed on it, uh, and then they went to this company, Thinkway, that was like fourth string, if not fifth or sixth string. <laughs> And they were in, like, a real crunch because the movie was only, like, a year away. Um, Everyone else had passed. They had very little lead time. And the story is that John Lasseter, for all of his uh, (laughs) deeply problematic, uh, uh, you know, uh, habits, uh, was a toy collector and was very adamant about, like, you should make the toys the way they are in the movie, Mm-hmm. And Thinkway was a small enough company that they, like, took the risk and went, like, we'll have the line of action figures where every character is exactly five inches, regardless of how big or small they are in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And they're yeah. vaguely on model and whatever. But they did a Buzz and a Woody that, at the time for me, I was like, this is incredible. This is the most accurate replica ever, <laughs> you know? Now you look at the ones that exist, not even, like, the super high-end ones, but even sort of, like, the mid-tier ones, and they're so much better. Yeah but they had them in the right size and vaguely the right materials and most of the right features. And then all the other characters were pretty much only represented in the figure line. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and then the movie came out and exceeded all expectations was like the biggest movie of its year. And they couldn't keep any of the merchandise on shelves and the buzz that was sort of like the, the screen accurate to Mm -hmm. scale buzz figure was like the tickle me Elmo of that Year, so then Toy Story was a thing. This thing that doesn't really happen that much anymore, where it was like, Oh, there's like a second wave of merchandise for the first movie a year later, and then there's a third wave of merchandise for the first movie a year later. Like, they kept on phasing in more screen accurate stuff. So when it started out, it was, like, getting all the figures. And then it was, like, every time they finally made a ham that's a piggy bank. It's not a figure. (laughs) It's a piggy bank. You know, they made the Rex. I never got until, you know, when Toy Story 3 came out. That's when they really were on top of their game and had, like... You know, collector scale, high quality, yeah. feature I mean, accurate. by then it was like Mattel
1: yeah. was doing it by then, right? By three years. But or...
0: Thinkway still had the license for, I think out of like solidarity because they were in the <laughs> foxhole at the beginning, they would always carve out for Thinkway, and it's even extended to Toy Story 4, that they had a thing called the Toy Story Collection mm. that was like the screen accurate, feature laden, you know. Right, right. To scale, so can write materials. Pull the string versions. and everything. Right. So like that's... I'd say the the cornerstone of my Toy Story display at this point but um it's it's hard to uh limit it and yeah yeah it was it was that collector instinct of like well it's now not just I want all the characters but it's like I want them in the right scale and the right relationship (laughs) to each other with the right screen accuracy and the right features and everything you know
1: what is your uh relationship with the Wayne Knight character in Toy Story 2 because like as a collector right like he's the villain and yeah I see myself a lot in him,
0: <laughs> right? No, like, you I mean, can I, see
1: my glass I, I, shelves yes. and, and yes. some unopened toys in, in there. Uh, yeah. You know, as a collector, like, did you feel like you were the villain of uh, Toy Story 2? I no, mean, not I at think, the time. Right, I mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. now. <laughs> now when I
0: watch it, I think I think more I go, like, well, I'm nothing like him. Like, I, you know, I'm like, but I would never steal a thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> mm. I try to split the atom in telling myself how little I'm like him, but then... There was that meme going around that 8,000 people sent me that was like every podcast has these three hosts. Mm. And it was the picture of Linguini from Ratatouille, (laughs) the dad from Inside Out, and Al from uh, Toy Story Uh 2. And I was like, that's that's pretty brutal. (laughs) And like David, my co host, is very much the dad from Inside (laughs) Out. And Ben, I would say, is very much Linguini Linguini. from Ratatouille. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, I gotta be fucking Al.
1: Um, either no, die here or live long enough to become the bad guy in yeah. toy story
0: but that's like toy story 2 is the same year as phantom menace that's the year when i'm doubling down and going like no i'm not gonna quit this i'm gonna keep collecting shit you know <laughs> and there was a lot more stuff from toy story 2 but it still didn't feel like they were giving me the exact items i wanted and then yeah i'd say my dark period where i was collecting the least was like Um, I, I dropped out of college, but what should have been my college years, like when I went off to college, I pared down my collection a lot. I gave a lot of stuff away Mm -hmm. and stuff I now have been frantically trying to, you know, (laughs) regain. Um, and I brought a very, you know, I think for anyone else in my college dorms, they were like, why is this kid have so many toys? And for me, (laughs) I was like, this is a very, very small collection. (laughs) You know, I had like one shelf. That was just like 10 things that meant a lot to me. And it was like my original Woody doll, the 18 inch NECA Robocop, a Palisade scooter from Muppet Show. It was like a couple things like that that were like, I picked like one thing from like five or six different lines. That was, like, my favorite character from my favorite properties. Right. And there was no cohesion to sure. it. Right? It yeah. was just, like, uh, these these are my my spirit animals or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and I... And this is early...
1: Dro- this is, like, mid-2000s? This is late at this point. This is 2007. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm a freshman. And then I drop out and I start working at Forbidden Planet, which is, like, a great comic yeah. store here in New York City. So then I was buying some more shit because... I had a really good employee discount. Yeah, yeah like that yeah. store had a great discount. But I was still being very selective, right? I, I would like cherry pick. Yeah, when something was just kind of undeniable, I did not go all in on lines. Um, it, like you know, early two thousands when there's the the. Uh, Motu reboot, mm-hmm. which I'm we're gonna circle back to yeah, yeah. in what's already becoming an overly long episode. <laughs> um but
1: that's, but, that but, seems to be the pattern with you, Griffin. Yes. I stretch <laughs> everything out. But
0: like that was a line where I'm like on the hunt, going to Toys R Us after school, looking for every single figure. I want to be a completist. And by the two thousands I'm like, look, I'm a struggling actor. I'm like taking day jobs, working retail. I can't afford to be <laughs> a comprehensive collector, let alone do I have any space in my apartment i'm sharing with three roommates right right to really have a display so yeah it was like it grew a little bit then and then for years after that it was like every i keep the tabs on everything i was checking mm. the toy news sites every day but i probably only buy a couple things were you a, a toy fair year.
1: subscriber oh hardcore <laughs> you know i wrote favorite. for toy fair Did you really? I was a contributing writer. I have a bunch of my issues in a binder back here somewhere. But
0: that's another thing where I had every single issue in my closet, like, and I I threw them all out when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think when I went to college, but it was like, uh, my parents gave up my childhood apartment uh a couple years ago and i was just like well i I, yeah i want to keep all of these if they're not (laughs) in my home and i can go back and look at them anytime once i have to move them someplace else
1: (laughs) yeah it's a lot they're heavy painfully (laughs) throw them out
0: um that's crazy what what are some of like the what did you write were you on specific beats or yeah yeah so
1: i i I interviewed jesse falcon a bunch of times when like marvel legends launched um i mean
0: not to sidetrack here but like i grew up in the city and i was a big uh like comedy nerd on top of being like a big comics action figure nerd and because i wasn't allowed to uh i know i asked you a question that immediately derailed you (laughs) (laughs) um but i want to hear your answer but uh, before i forget um uh, jesse falcon was in charge of toy biz which was the action figure company that weirdly owned marvel, marvel and yeah. <laughs> did all the marvel toys which in the mid-2000s the marvel legends line was like inarguably better than anything else right. that was being i done mean in the, the, the market
1: the articulation they were the first ones to really bring it with articulation it just, like, and, paint and sculpt,
0: and, and the amount of value yeah. you were getting and the bases were so and and insane. giant as clamshell shit. packages right <laughs> hey, they were just like
1: you couldn't the open best. them with a
0: the best your, So I'm reading Toy Fair all the time, and Jesse Falcon feels like a celebrity to me. Yeah. And then... The other thing I'm doing on weekend nights rather than going to parties it's like I'm spending every like after school weekday afternoon hunting for action figures and then on the weekends rather than go to parties my friends and I would go to my nerdy friends would go to the upright citizens brigade theater in New York City where it was like improv and sketch comedy mm-hmm. and whatever and then at some point I kept on going like why is this one performer looks so familiar and I realized he was Jesse Falcon oh really who didn't write it he was like one of the best improvisers I've ever wow, I didn't seen. Know that. but that was like his moonlighting. I mean, I don't think he does it anymore, mm-hmm. but he was part of what, from my it was my favorite improv team called Mother. And Jason Manzukis was on that as well. A lot oh, of wow. great people. Um, uh, wow, Jessica St. Clair. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he was like a double celebrity for right, me. Where right. Where I would right. like read the Toy Fair interviews and I'd be like, this guy is the biggest name in action figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I would see him on Saturday nights. I'd be like, this guy's the biggest name in improv. <laughs> and it was like a guy who's not a celebrity to anyone else. Like, he's doing right. these two niche things and they're yeah, just yeah, sort yeah. of like for the joy of it. And I like idolized him. I thought he was the coolest fucking guy in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah,
1: I mean, I just, I, I mean, I did whatever my editors told me to do, but I did a couple pieces. Some of them were cover stories. I was never like a staff i didn't never had to move to congress um but but i i did i did contribute the, the coolest thing i ever did for them was meet my idol uh, I, I i mentioned i'm a gi joe fan and larry hama oh was, yeah i was able to meet him uh because of because of toy fair and, and like you know yeah. in the 20 years since we've become friends but like that blew my fucking mind because i i was like gi joe was foundational for me as a kid and, and like. Yeah as an asian american too like to find out that like oh the guy who created like the real american hero was a japanese american guy it's huge uh who was also like a jack of all trades like jesse apparently who was an actor and a musician right um, right a similarly fascinating guy uh no i
0: so i I know i'm jumping all around here in chronology hey it's perfect this is
1: why this show exists
0: (laughs) one of the things i did in my my struggling actor years uh I'm still a struggling actor. But when I was really, (laughs) really struggling and and no one would hire me and and didn't have a podcast, no one who I was and whatever. And I was sort of like uh, freelancing and picking up whatever jobs I could. I I was um, uh, freelance for a thing called Champion Magazine that went under almost as soon as it started. That was uh, a lot of the expats from Wizard after that oh, shut right. down. Yeah. So this is the early 2010s, mm-hmm. late 2000s. Because I think both Wizard and Toy Fair stopped publishing in maybe 2000, like, I 2010 say, or 2011. Yeah,
1: I want to say like 2000. I, I probably think the last issue came out of both magazines in like 2012, maybe. Yeah. Um,
0: but it, from the ashes of that, so I guess 2010. No, you're right,
1: 2011, 2011, because I think uh, Green Lantern was the last thing they ever put on their cover. Yes,
0: yes, that sounds right. So, uh, yeah, 2012, it was like Howard Stern and someone who produces his shows, a big collector, had infused money into getting a bunch of the wizard people to try to do a new iteration of that, but for iPads only because everyone thought the future was (laughs) going to be like interactive digital magazines, (laughs) but they didn't have the money to hire a staff. So it was like me and like four friends were freelancing and writing so much shit for them. Wow. And almost none of it ever got published. (laughs) But the thing I did get out of it was the first time I ever got to go to San Diego comic-con. It was because I got a press pass from them. And by the time the convention happened, this was 2012 by the time the convention happened, I think the magazine had gone under, (laughs) but I was able to book interviews and like, roundtable interview mark hamill or stan lee yeah or or then get like one-on-one interviews with people i really loved who were less huge at the time like jeff lemire who's like my favorite comic Mm -hmm. book writer and shit and like sit there with my fucking iphone and pretend i was interviewing them from a serious publication and just knowing (laughs) like first of all they haven't paid me for the last 10 things right that i've written the last three issues have not come out
1: did they book your flight at least or did you have to fly yourself I, out to San Diego I flew
0: myself and I had a friend from Twitter I mean this is like early days of Twitter <laughs> when you, you can know, trust
1: people on Twitter to like yeah shack and it's you like
0: up. right and I had a friend who uh had like a, a joint custody of her daughter and her daughter was gonna be with her dad for the weekend and I stayed in a little girl's bedroom in a bed that was too small even for me and uh yeah flew myself out to San Diego and uh had all these interviews and shit but yeah no like toy fair was was super huge for me i think especially in that transitional period of like i'm gonna stick with this i'm gonna stay a collector the fact that it was like a magazine written by adults who were self-deprecating yeah it had a sense of humor you know which felt in line with me it was like sort of representing the comedy and i i increasingly found out how many toy fair people i mean obviously a lot of the toy fair people went on to do like robot Robot Chicken. chicken right But there were other uh, uh, people who would freelance for Toy Fair who I would then find out were, like, improvisers in New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, uh, yes, anyway, I don't know. Full circle back to all of this. My dark period was, (laughs) right, early 20s to mid-20s. And then when I started getting, like, more work, the collection started getting... What brought you back?
1: What what was the thing that was like, I'm going to start collecting that again?
0: I, I mean, it truly, I think, was, like... It was resources, right? There was, like, 2013 or 14, I booked, like, a couple big jobs in a row, none of which panned out as they were expected to, but I, like, had actual sort of, like, paychecks as an actor for the first time. Mm. And it was nothing huge, but I had been living, like, so um, uh, hand-to-mouth off of dollar pizza and whatever because I was, like committed to proving i wasn't an idiot for dropping out of college to do stand-up and audition and shit right yeah so it was like the way i can justify that is i need to be able to live off of no money whatsoever right and my only luxury purchase is going to the movies all the time Mm. and i might buy one action figure a year and then i remember i did so i booked like a network sitcom pilot that didn't go and then right after that i booked this movie draft day yep and those were like the two biggest jobs i'd gotten and i had a little disposable income for like the first time (laughs) in in whatever it had been five or six years and i remember doing the like multi big bad toy store pre-order of just (laughs) like there are like four items i was in this hotel room in cleveland Or not even Cleveland, Beachwater, Ohio, which was the suburb outside of Cleveland where we shot draft day, and it was like. Oh, so you're making your orders
1: like while you're filming the movie? Correct. (laughs) So like,
0: I start filming the movie. The sitcom pilot gets passed on. So I was like very depressed about the fact that I thought I was going from like sitcom pilot to then filming a movie to then starting a season
1: of a TV show. Right, big budget Kevin Costner movie.
0: Right. So there was like online retail therapy of. (laughs) As much as I'm still in the pocket, like, filming a movie on a day-to-day basis, I'm depressed about the fact that the show didn't get picked up. So, I, I'm i trying to think what the items were. The one I remember distinctly was the NECA spider gremlin. Because that had been, like, I collected when they had done the, the gremlins figures, whenever that was, in, like, 2003. And then there was that long gap before they brought them back. Um, yeah. That... Uh, it coincided with the years where I couldn't afford figures that much, <laughs> which, which is
1: co- uh, convenient for you. Very convenient, <laughs> but
0: but it had always been like the Spider Gremlin was supposed to be part of that original line in 2003 or 2004. Uh, they were like, we're gonna do a box set with the Spider Gremlin and g- Gizmo and the Gremlin, uh, the Rambo Gear, and Gremlins Two is one of like my favorite movies ever. <laughs> and um, I even remember, I'm I'm darting all over the place here, but it was like. <laughs> when i worked at forbidden planet i was i was up for a big uh, a comic book movie and i kept on like waiting every day for the call that i would get the job which i didn't but like my thought was that the way i would quit was like <laughs> i get the fucking call you got the job you've made it kid and then i would go buy the like expensive sideshow RoboCop (laughs) statue that they had there you know as like now I can afford the higher end collectibles I couldn't afford um so I think there was a version of that like in this hotel room in the suburbs of Ohio uh it was maybe like the the 18 inch Michael Keaton Batman Mm, that Gremlins figure but even before that actually when I had gotten the part in the sitcom pilot and my friend my best friend who we grew up like collecting action figures together we were like the two people who stuck with it throughout high school yeah. right and both of us we were had been roommates we weren't roommates at this point in time when I got the part I was like you know what I'm doing to celebrate we're going to Toys R Us and I'm doing my like big shopping cart challenge
1: right. <laughs> you just start pulling that boxes that was my into thing. thing I
0: was like I'm gonna celebrate by going to Toys R Us with a cart and not checking the price on anything <laughs> And it's not like I had made that much money, but the amount of money I was getting paid for this pilot felt like astronomical to yeah, me yeah, after I doing bet. like college humor videos for years <laughs> <Right>. or whatever. <laughs> and so I like put all this shit in the cart, and then still somehow the total ended up being like under two hundred
1: dollars. <laughs> because you realize like action figures are like even ba- especially back then were like yes twelve dollars fifteen dollars a right. pop right
0: right. So I was just getting a lot of stuff then, and then when I'm in. Ohio. I'm starting to pre-order a lot of stuff um, off of Big Bad, and then from that moment on, I'm like, I'm back in. The floodgates yeah. are open, and, it's and then I non-stop think stops. right when I got the tick, and then I had like more consistent income <laughs> at a higher level. That was like when I started going back and filling in uh, the the Masters of the Universe Classics line. Which was like, had started with subscription only online at the point of time. Maddie Collector. I I can't afford it. But at the time that the tick got picked up, Maddie Collector had gone under and suddenly all those figures were getting clearanced. Oh, right and and beyond even getting clearanced it was like you could go on ebay and get a lot of like 10 figures for like 80 dollars and now like the cheapest
1: figures are 80 dollars right looks. right right yeah, the, yeah. i mean That's, the prices I had forgotten on about that, that line I have about. gone through the roof because i know super one... seven was like like yes. i remember when it moved to super seven i was like why are they so fucking expensive but it was a transitional was weird... moment yeah right right we're even
0: like uh, the Maddie Collector Store was doing like blowout prices on figures that they had claimed were sold out years earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Suddenly they me. found this stock, and then other retailers were getting them. You could literally get like these figures for seven dollars. No, you're absolutely carded. right. I, I, I yeah. did.
1: I, I what I've forgotten is like in that period, I actually ordered Castle Grey Skull. Oh yeah, the, the the classics one. Right and. You know, Which at
0: the time cost like a hundred and eighty dollars and you were like, How is it possible that anything can cost this much? Yeah, but, but and then now we was... live in this era where like the Thunder tank is eight thousand dollars. Yeah, the Haslab yeah, and all right.
1: that stuff. But right. but it was like it was clearance for like under a hundred, I think. Yes. Yes, yeah. And so no, I or- that, I just yeah. ordered it like without thinking, and then it yeah. arrived a couple weeks later. Yeah. And it was this massive fucking box. Right. Where do I put this? And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? Right. <laughs> I, I yeah. immediately sold it the next day. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I can't yeah. do anything with this. But, but also,
0: but, like, if you had held on to it, you could have... Uh, I could have waited it, and then, it, like, made a, a... covered couple, a
1: mortgage. I could have, right. like, sent my daughter to right. college. Yeah,
0: Right, exactly. Um, but yes, that was, I think, another throttle point for me where it was, like, being able to sew quickly and cheaply in that one, like, nine-month window where this was possible fill in most of that line. And all these figures, I'd always coveted and gone like, ah, oh, that looks so cool. I love He-Man. Uh I I was looking at that line, like, adoringly from a distance. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, now I have a full shelf of just
1: <laughs> classics. Classics. You know? This is a perfect segue point, actually, because yes. I wanted to ask you about your Masters of the Universe kind of backstory. Because, you know, knowing of course you're orco like you you're making a career out of being the tiny sidekick to large men you were the my, Arthur my of the peter sarphin which is and my tick. favorite things that yeah. I grew up doing. yeah, you were you're were- a
0: tiny Tiny flying,
1: flying anxious. yeah, Watto to Connor Ratliff's George Lucas. Right. You're Griffin right. to David Sims's Griffin. Yes, yes. Uh, blank right. check. So like four very similar characters. <laughs> very, yeah. and they all very large yeah. men. And yeah. now you your Orko to uh, Chris Woods He Man. Uh yeah. What? Where, where did the He Man loves come from? Because you, as you said, you know you you came much after I, yeah. the original He Man. Uh, yeah. Was it the the uh, the reboot the twenty X reboot?
0: I so I went to uh, sleepaway camp. And there was an older kid. He was a counselor in training. Oh, you might have told
1: the story on Fat Man, I think, right?
0: I think I did, whose name was Grunge. And his two favorite things in the world were Kevin Smith and (laughs) He-Man. And I was reading Toy Fair all the time. So He-Man would always come up. And I was like kind of confused by it. Because every other 80s toy line of that stature still existed in some form at the time i was collecting Mm -hmm. you know like there's some version of gi joe there's some version of transformers like all the other things at that level you know and even like thundercats was dead but i felt like thundercats had even that was coming back yeah yeah. cultural omnipresence than he-man did where i was like where did this disappear to Mm -hmm. how could something have been this dominant in the 80s and i don't know what it is it doesn't air in reruns Mm -hmm. you know um because that was also an era where like when i'm growing up there's not that much animation where 80s cartoons are still getting rerun all the time Mm -hmm. you know and and it felt like motu was just kind of memory hold so reading toy fair was the first time i had exposure to it and then uh this kid grunge who i like idolized (laughs) uh who was a teenager um uh, made some He-Man reference. And I was like, what is He-Man? I'm trying <laughs> to figure this out. Can you give me the answers? And he literally, he he dressed like Silent Bob in the middle of the summer. <laughs> he wore like a big trench coat and a backwards cap and a baseball uh, baseball cap and the, um, uh, carried a really heavy backpack. <laughs> and his backpack was like Mary Poppins. Uh, literally everything He's, in it. Right? Why are you carrying this with you on a daily basis? But he literally, he said like, I'd been waiting for someone to ask me this question. He turned around, he opened up the backpack, and he had, like, a He-Man, like, little golden book. Like, a, <laughs> a storybook, like, a picture book about the origins of He-Man to explain it to me. And then I got really into it. And that summer, I think, coincides with when they did that, like, 20th anniversary line of reissues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was starting to get back out there again, and then the next summer is the reboot. So I, like, they were putting the VHS tapes out that came bundled with the figures.
1: Oh, right. I forgot about that. Those were,
0: like, the harder ones to find. Like, they were sometimes retailer exclusive or you'd have to find them at, like, a convention or whatever. Uh, Because they, I don't know, maybe they were Walmart exclusives, which we Mm. didn't have in the city. But I was, like, watching the old show through those tapes, not collecting the vintage reissues as much but getting amped for the revival and being like, oh, now there's like a new version of He-Man that I get to live through. Yeah. So I was at this point like 13 or 14 and um, all, all in, all in. As I said, like hunting for the figures, watching the show every week, collecting the comics, all of that was like super in on it. And then, yeah, I was like bummed that I wasn't in on the classics line, you know? Yeah, yeah uh, that I sort of had to skip over it. So yeah, like getting back into classics was a bit of a, um, a reactivation point for me because I had been cherry picking so much, trying to keep bumpers on my collecting tendencies up until that point. <laughs> and the, when I was getting all the discount classics figures, it's like, I'm back into being a guy who collects lines.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, and... maybe
0: not a completist, but like, I want to show but the, you
1: and you, yeah. And, and that's the thing right. too. Like it's, a lot of these lines, especially nowadays, it's it's hard to be a completist just because there's so yes. much, right? Like I have a friend yeah. that when I was growing up, he was much older than me, but mm-hmm. he, he like collected, if it was Batman, he would collect it. It didn't matter what it was, if it was yeah. toothpaste to whatever, right? right? And like. And I always want to, like, check in on him today because there's just so much Batman shit in the last 30 years. Like, how are you even keeping up with that? I know. Uh, McFarlane is, like, literally releasing seven new Batman figures, like, every week. It's it's crazy. It's insane.
0: It's insane. I mean, that's another thing jumping all over again in the timeline. (laughs) But talking about, like, 99 between Phantom Menace and Toy Story 2 being the year that sort of, like, kept me from dropping collecting as a kid like deciding to carry that over into my teen years the other factor there is that like that's peak mcfarlane yeah like at this time where i'm still buying two like mass market lines for like big kid driven movies that are coming out i'm also now at the age where i'm like oh fuck mcfarlane's making austin powers figures and <laughs> that's right. hollow you know like they as i'm a getting a figure
1: <laughs> s- right,
0: slightly edgier films yeah. i'm also getting into slightly edgier action figures
1: um, no. so I was a I, I think it's a stretch McFarlane to call kid. those McFarlane toys action figures. But, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have and to it... move to be an action figure. I it's an say. attitude.
0: Was that their old tag? Something line? like that. It was. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but what I love about your Masters fandom is that mm. when they announced Kevin Smith was doing another version of Masters of the Universe. Yeah. You lobbied online. Yeah. To play Orko. Like, I remember the tweet, like, please let me be Orko. And here you are a couple years later, you are Orko yeah. on Master of the Universe. Like, what has that been like for you? Like, that's probably, is that the first time? I mean, I guess Arthur was no, another No, Arthur, kind Arthur of, was that too. But like, Arthur was
0: that too. But you're and, two for and, two
1: in a way. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. No, I do feel that way. And I still feel like, like, uh, pinch me about it. It doesn't, it's weird. I, in both of those cases, I have a hard time not processing it as, like, a fan film because I'm in it, if that makes any sense, you know? Like, I'm like, the mere fact that I'm playing this character means it can't actually count. This isn't, (laughs) like, legitimate, you know? And then I watch the rest of it. It's easier for me to swallow with Revelation because my face is Mm non-screen. Whereas, like, Mm -hmm. when I watch the The Tick every time... I come on screen, I'm just pulled out of it, where I'm like, this isn't real, you know? And then it is when, like, someone like you says, like, you are Orko, that I go, like, fuck, right, I am Orko, you know? Yeah. Uh, At least
1: conditionally
0: within that one series at the times that they hire me to do the sessions or whatever.
1: But, like, but but as you know, as a fan, though, like, once you're the character, like, Peter Cullen is always going to be Optimus oh, Prime. As, sure. as much as he probably is. like, you know, I don't want to be Optimus Prime anymore. And it's like, too bad, no, I, you're still going to be Optimus Prime. And you're I'll going to this. be Orko for Time I, in yeah, Memoriam.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel a certain... I, I, I'm very much someone who has come around to feeling... Letting go of any preciousness and protectiveness I feel over the franchises I like, where I'm just like, look we're in a time where these things are going to get rebooted over and Mm. over and over again right and so to a certain degree it relieves me of the stress of how do i possibly live up to the guy who did it first right like how am i going to be a better arthur than the cartoon arthur (laughs) let alone david burke arthur right right you know and the same thing with orca where it's like well, if I'm doing Orko, it's never going to sound right to me. no matter how hard I try, because Orko is the Lou Shimer Orko. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Gabe Kuth did an incredible job, like, after that. And I'm always going to sound like sloppy thirds. <laughs> but I'm also like, there's already been another Orko since me. Right, right. They have right, two with the, simultaneous shows. And, and right. But, so, like, Tom Kenny's doing that Orko. And I'm like, you know, it, I, inevitably someone else will play Arthur. And I don't feel protectiveness over it because the protectiveness I feel over is having my chance to do my version of it. If that makes any sense, yeah. Well, right, and I mean, so it's I like think... I free myself from the confines of being like you have to live up to the what the original guy did. But I also free myself outside of like, I want to be able to feel like I could take some chances in doing this because I have no illusions of thinking that I need to be the definitive guy.
1: Well, and I think the, and this is no shade to the other voice actors who've played Orko over the, (laughs) this sounds like Orko is this kind of like, you know, has so much gravitas, but. But to me, he was. But I was going to say that like. No shame to the other guys, but like the, the Orko that you play and the Orko that Kevin's team, you know, Dia and Mark and Eric and all those guys that they wrote was like an Orko unlike the others in that, like, there was so much interiority to him. There was so much emotion. Like when you, and you know, spoilers, if you haven't watched Revelation yet, like when you see him in his like, you know, depleted self, like there's pain, like Orko never felt pain in the no. in the filmation cartoon no and and then the the ultimate sacrifice that he makes is is like i cried watching that episode and your performance like you that, i mean you that made Orko make me cry explicit was... goal i cannot tell you how
0: many times we'd be recording i'm sure kevin cried
1: like, like every time
0: right no but not even that we'd be recording we'd be like i hope some fuckers cry at this. like we <laughs> just were me. like right because it would just be like how great would it be if you could make people Care that much about Orko, who's always been so
1: silly, and like I loved him. I mean, but but I, Orko, but, but Orko was the Jar Jar, right? Like because yes, older well, fans yes hated th- it. Th-
0: this is what I always said because now I feel like. Eh fandom's gotten so intense and he-man fandom's gotten weirdly intense in the last
1: year yeah and probably in the last six months but yeah (laughs) right
0: and and kevin made some comments about like the fact that no one ever liked orko and then people threw that against him as like well this is proof he's not a fan and i'm like i'm sorry i was on those message boards in the early 2000s right like i was on fucking he-man.org yeah i was collecting these figures i was watching vhs's of filmation i was buying those season sets when it came out i was watching the new show i was collecting all the figures at best orko was always a highly divisive character i i'm not arguing that no one ever liked him but you'd go on these boards and i i would say the way i said it to kevin was like Half the people think he's Jar Jar and half the people think he's C-3PO, (laughs) right? Like half the people go like, well, the point is he's kind of the annoying character who causes the problems, but I love him. I find him endearing. I find him funny. He's essential. And other people would go like, Orko drags the whole thing down. He makes the thing (laughs) less serious. I find him annoying. And I do think it's maybe a little bit of a shift of like what age you were when you started watching. A hundred percent. If you're six versus eight or whatever it is. But um, but yes, I think Orko was always divisive, and people either really loved him or they really hated him, and he was like nails on a chalkboard. I always loved him, um, and I think it's like my favorite character maybe in all of everything is Fozzie Bear. Mm-hmm. Like I just think Fozzie Bear is the best, and so much of what I loved about Fozzie Bear was the weird balance of like his confidence versus his absolute self-loathing, you know? <laughs> that he would just every time think that he was going to go out there and kill and Kermit and everyone would warn him like Fozzie don't don't do this bit it's not going to work and he'd be like this is it this is the one that's going to work <laughs> And then he'd go out there, and it would immediately bomb. Immediately, Statler and Waldorf would start giving him the business. And he'd just sort of go like, come on, guys, please. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> and it was the fact that, like, the shield would fall down so quickly. And you're watching this guy struggle to continue the bit that has already catastrophically failed, <laughs> that he's being razzed for. I always just as a kid thought was the funniest thing in the world. And Arthur and... Um, Orco, I think both have that same yeah. quality where it's like they cannot hide the fact that they are perhaps both overwhelmed and ill-prepared, but they continue to place themselves in the line of danger. They continue to put themselves on the front lines and you almost have to go like, why do you keep subjecting yourself to this, right? Like Arthur is like such all-consuming anxiety yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just seems so panicked all the time. And when I got the chance to audition for The Tick and never thought I was going to get the part. Like, never, mm-hmm. ever thought I was going to get the part. Uh, and and it was a real uphill battle because I think they they wanted someone who had been the star of a TV show before. Right. You know? To not and, only be and, a co but on this show where Arthur is more of a focus. You're right. the,
1: I was about to say, yeah, you're the lead. Yeah. Like, you're the main guy. I, I mean, at, I mean you're, the, if you're least, the POV character. Like, the yes, show is told yes. through right. Arthur's perspective. I, I think
0: Tick and Arthur were... Co-leads, but Arthur is the protagonist in terms of the right. him moving the story along, being yeah. the POV and everything like that. As you said, yeah. So that was my thing was I always, as a, a kid, relate to Arthur really strongly because he couldn't hide the fact that he was scared, and I was, and still am such a general, generally anxious <laughs> person, yeah. right? And there was a bravery to the vulnerability in my eyes that like. Everyone else is putting on a big show and pretending that they're ready for this fight, and it's somehow even braver to show up and be like, "I am not ready for this fight, but I'm going to do it anyway." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know,
0: and same with Fozzie, and same with Orko. Like every episode would almost always start on Motu with like Orko proudly presenting a new magic trick for the palace, and then fucking up like and everything. fucking up, and then Randor and Marlena just go like, "What the fuck are doing, Orko?" <laughs> And then it's like that's how the episode starts and it ends with him demanding that he follow He-Man into battle, <laughs> you know? So I think with, with Arthur, I reading that script, because I got to read the whole episode. I know this is a long-winded answer, but I promise I'm going to bring this home. <laughs> I got to read the Tick Pilot before I auditioned. You don't always get to read the whole episode before mm-hmm. you're going in for a thing, right? Uh, let alone you never get to read the whole season. So you don't know exactly what's in store. But I saw how much the show was sort of centralizing Arthur and really investing in, like, his mental illness, you know, and not using him as just sort of, like, a comedic right. archetype of a worrywart or a panic yeah, neurotic yeah. or whatever. Which it
1: kind of was in the original, yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah,
0: which I I think because the show, I, I think to Ben Edlin's own admission, like, Tick had always been more of a parody. Yeah. You know, and you're sort of just subverting things, and his whole thing with the... The version of the tick that we did uh the amazon version was like the ticks a really rare if not completely unique example of like a property that's been rebooted multiple times but always by the original creator yeah. it's the same guy every time right rebooting the thing and it's because ben is so uh he has such a, a an active mind that he always has some new idea of how to Completely reconceptualize the thing, view it from a different prism, put it into a different genre, a different medium, or whatever it is. And his whole thing was like, "Is it possible to make a version of the Tick where you actually care about the characters? You know, where we add dimensionality to these characters yeah. that have always been uh, pretty ridiculous." I mean,
1: I think that's what Arthur shares with orco as well. Maybe that's where that's you were circling back to—is that exactly both it's, situations? It's right. these, there's these like '80s properties of like the, yeah. the annoying sidekick. Correct that you are, are given the opportunity right. at least to add so, some humanity to
0: right so i felt this very deep investment and in like i think i'm i might know how to add some more depth to arthur and it was like a real uphill battle to convince the studio to hire me uh because i was just sort of un, unproven but then once i had done that anytime there were rumors and it was mostly about Uh, live action masters movie which Mm -hmm. every two years gets (laughs) reannounced and then shut down I feel like anytime they would announce it I would tweet like I want to play Orca right right because I just sort of felt like not like oh I'm feeling hot on myself after Arthur (laughs) but I was just like I had this whole conceptualization of how to deepen this character that people used to find annoying and it worked to some degree they let me do it and people responded to it Orca would be a fun target to try to do that with next Um, and there as I've given this very long-winded answer to the uh, to the point of, uh, there are a lot of similarities there mm-hmm. and overlaps. So that was the thing that I thought would be a fun challenge. All that having been said, I audition not reading scripts. Mm-hmm. So my goal was, can I do something that is very much in line with classic Orco. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I want it to sound similar feel similar have sure. the good vibe without being a direct impression evoke it as much as i can um but then hopefully add a little more depth to it so that uh and and this is no strike against the guys who played him in the past yeah, right it, different shows you know there yeah. wasn't room to to deepen the character but i didn't know until i got the part and received the scripts like holy shit they're gonna let orko do this yeah like then it was just like Okay, now I really have to bring it, because my hope was, can I add a little more depth to (laughs) one-liners? And it's like, Orko's going to sacrifice himself. He has this emotional death. You see him in multiple states. I mean, just in the first half of the season, I essentially had to play...
1: You played, like, Filmation Orko in the the first episode. You were essentially playing, like... There are three different
0: orcos, yeah, that I I had to sort of develop independently where it's – right, first episode it was like this is as close as I can get (laughs) to evoking the feeling of filmation and going sort of like full Saturday morning kid show in terms of delivery rhythms and jokes and all of that. And then he's gonna disappear. He's gonna come back, and he's gonna be like husk of Orko, yeah. <laughs> like sad, broken, yeah, yeah, weakened yeah. Orko. And then he has to come back to this place of power and peace and serenity in himself. Like, or even it, it, like the,
1: the the like the scene you share with Lena as Evil Lynn. like the conversations yeah. you have, like that's yeah. or, Orko never has conversations like that with any character, right. right?
0: Right, right. I think the scene with um, I think it's him and. Andra on the boat where he's talking about journaling so that you never forget <laughs> the adventures yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's like, yeah, all this stuff. And it was the same thing with Arthur where every time I'd get a script, i just go like, I am so fucking lucky that I get to play this. Because here are these characters that I've always projected this additional depth onto, I think, because I related to them so hard as a kid, right? And I felt this deeper emotional investment into things that were perhaps deeply subtextual Mm -hmm. and were never verbalized on the show and the fact that i get to be the person who gets to like play the scenes where these things come to the forefront for the first time i feel like very very spoiled in both of those characters so yeah in both cases it's just like well it's exciting that the way the writers have conceptualized this matches up with what i always would have wanted to do with these characters but it also then becomes the pressure of i i really have to bring it yeah and i think you know the intention was originally that they were gonna do the sort of filmation voice filters on my performance
1: but that's you 100 percent,
0: right that's me 100 percent without any posts which is a real point of pride for me but i think another aspect of it was that because i kept on saying like guys you don't have to do this to stroke my ego like put <laughs> filters on. i'd rather it sounds good right and when i auditioned i did it two ways i was sending in tapes with me doing the voice myself as close as i could get which i think i got better later mm-hmm. um but that was the best i could do you know only a couple days prep and then i did some takes where i adjusted it myself uh, i pitched it up And I said, like, I'm just giving you the options I could do either. Then I got the part, and then there were maybe three months between when I got the part and when I started recording. And I literally would just work on it, like, almost every night in the bathroom mirror. Just (laughs) working on, like, pitching my voice up and finding the intonations and breaking it down and what are the elements I'm missing and playing it back and trying to get as close as I could. So that when I went in for the first record, I went, this is what I've been working on. Because the thing you find is that... In order to make the voice sound right after they pitch it up, you have to make—you have to, in real time, deliver it even less like Orko. Yeah. <laughs> you right. have to be pretty
1: Because well, I'm pretty and, sure Lou Scheimer's original voice is nothing yes, like right. what Orko No, like.
0: Right. And and the reason they put all these filters on Orko is because Lou Scheimer played 87 characters on the original <laughs> show to save yeah. money in the budget, right? Right. So it's like I was trying to reverse engineer, like, what was Lou speaking like that then got filtered through to this end orco result, which was sort of means to an end, right? Um, But I said to them, like, look, if this works for you, I can do this live. If not, I can say these lines in my own
1: voice and and you you can can pitch them up later. Who knew those silly blank check ad read voices you've been doing over the years would come in handy?
0: (laughs) I I think that's the only reason I was able to get this part is I had like three years of like weird wax on, wax off. I didn't even realize (laughs) this was prep for this kind of thing. Um, Checky helped me a lot. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, and then, uh, you know, I think the thing they found th- they went, that's pretty good, maybe we only have to adjust it a little bit. And the thing that they found is when they put the filters on it, it lost some of the nuance mm-hmm. in between the different phases of the character So I know when some people... I've been very, very flattered by how much I think uh, most of the fandom has received the, the, the yeah, Orko section, the We don't care, section, about, the, we don't care the show. about the
1: other ones. Don't, don't worry about that. other
0: But ones. I see people sometimes going, like, why didn't they put the filters through it? And it's like, because when you put the filters on it, and I was not creatively against it, and you're getting to a point where Orko is, like, near death.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would you be weird. lose
0: a little nuance of emotionality. That's a know? weird
1: nitpick. They didn't use filters on Orco's voice. Get it. Come on.
0: I get it. No, I get it. Because it's like you want the things to sound right. But I I yeah, it was it was weird needles to thread because it's like <laughs> he needs to sound like Filmation Orco the entire time, but it has to be varying levels of fidelity to Filmation Orco. Yeah.
1: Well, um, one thing yeah. that Arthur unfortunately never got in, in yeah. your Amazon uh journey was an action figure however man
0: yeah (laughs) however i have i have right here right next to me what is the closest which is pull this off my couch i didn't even place this here it's just here but the the david burke the patrick warburton series yeah yeah yeah. i had all the arthur's i still have all the arthur's that were made across the various
1: lines but they never made amazon figures
0: no No, it drove me crazy. Fortunately. of my existence. I know.
1: I know. Fortunately, though, uh, Mattel revealed a few weeks ago, there is a Savage He-Man 2-pack. First of all, spoiling the second half of... uh, I know. This was before the trailer came out, spoiling the second half of the season, which is what they did, which fits because before the part one came out, they... Release Skelligod into the world. And I was like, Skelligod? What? And, uh, I, I and don't did... mean to speak ill of, <laughs> of the, the people marking? who
0: employ me, but there are certain Mattel decisions like that that I find a little bit confusing.
1: So anyway, there is a two-pack yeah. of Savage He-Man and Orko. Yes. So, so this the whole conversation has been the about best part you yeah. being a toy collector. right? Now you finally yeah. have a toy of your own. What does that feel yeah.
0: like? Yeah. I mean, I don't have it in my hands yet, and I... I don't know how real it's gonna feel to me until I do, because with Tick there were a lot of promises unfulfilled. <laughs> there were and... things I was constantly told were gonna happen. There was even a point where I—it's still, or it's not anymore, because now I replaced it with Orko. But it was my um, my profile picture and all my social media yeah. channels for so long was Arthur. the the head sculpt for what was supposed to be a high end like twelve right. uh, inch Arthur figure that I like I had that thing that I've been dreaming of my entire life that's like my manager reaching out to me and going like here are the JPEGs for your approval do you have any notes you want to make on your likeness and And I was just like like, yes 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 here we go here we go (laughs) and like the company went under the show got cancelled Funko never made any characters (laughs) other than the tech like the whole dream collapsed you know and so I get Orko and I'm you know the most exciting part of it for me is I get to play Orko but also I'm like come on the show's produced by mattel yeah. it's based on a toilet <laughs> how do i not come on and like to go through multiple waves of masterverse reveals where there was no Orco figure i have been haranguing the mattel people for like over a year now uh it just saying like it's but it's happening right it's definitely <laughs> happening and they'd be cagey with me or they'd shift plans or whatever. And I knew for a little while that that's where it sounded like things were settling. I mean, it's it part of the issue with Orko where, like, he's a unique sculpt character, whereas everyone else in he yeah. pretty much shares one of three body no types. No
1: reuse for Orko. That's right. why he's essentially a glorified accessory to Savage He-Man.
0: Right. And then that was the other thing they said was, like, he's too small to sell by his, himself in this scale, so we're going to put him in a deluxe pack, but we haven't figured out which yet. And then him ending up. I know everyone's projecting that there's some spoiler in the fact that he's in the pack with Savage He-Man, uh, but that I I think is a pretty arbitrary <laughs> pairing.
1: Well, uh, until they gave you the stinger in the trailer, and it's like, I guess Griffin's coming back for part two. <laughs> I don't. I have
0: no idea what you're talking about. Um, but there was that at one point. Am I going to be like, in maybe... trouble? Is what you're saying? <laughs> no, I I don't know. They put that in the trailer. I was surprised they put that in the trailer. I was surprised they announced that action figure. I mean, that was the other thing i kept on going like because at i was at PowerCon this year the he-man convention and they did a panel and they announced like the next wave of figures and put them in the glass case and i was like i've been told that i'm part of like deluxe wave three right and the other two deluxe figures are trapjaw and triclops and the third is Savage He-Man with Orko and why is that the one that they aren't showing and they were like we're not showing it because it's a spoiler Savage He-Man and I was like okay I guess I have to sit tight and it won't be revealed until after the season comes out and then they just decided a (laughs) month later to reveal it so I don't know I don't know I don't get the strategy way above my pay grade I'm so happy it's out there I didn't get to see it until like the night before they revealed it they kept Mm -hmm. on telling me it was happening and then I've been so outspoken on, on Twitter and stuff about my eagerness to be an action figure that like several different action figure bloggers and journalists all reached out to me and were like has anyone slipped you these photos yet (laughs) and they were like they're embargoed we're not supposed to post them until tomorrow but want to make sure you knew yeah yeah so i was just like fist pumping uh, (laughs) victory lap uh but yeah i don't know i guess early next year i'm supposed to get it if if supply chain i can't believe they don't give you a a,
1: an early prototype sample at the very least but I I think
0: they're going to send me a box. I will say Mattel's actually been very good about that. They've been hooking me up. I feel like Amazon... I mean, there wasn't as much produced tick merchandise, but there was a lot of, like, promo stuff that they Mm. made, and I always had to harangue them for it and be like, I'm a collector, please give me (laughs) all of these things. You know, the stuff they send out to press or to give away at conventions or whatever. I was just like, I want all of it. I want every item. Uh, Mattel's been, like, very proactive, and all the other companies that have been... I mean, FYE has done a lot of Revelation stuff, and they gave me a bunch of stuff. Like, I finally feel like I've gotten to that point where i i i have enough standing within the show and also have built up enough of a reputation for being a collector that these companies know to reach out to me and go like you'd want this right
1: <laughs> that's like um, that's the like platonic ideal i think of being yes. an actor in your like yes. genre right is that like, right you get to you get first dibs it's the best so stuff. yeah
0: I've been getting all the not all of but uh, the vast majority of the revelation stuff and the Master Earth figures so far. But I'm just waiting for when it's me. Yeah. And and when it's ideally like just a box full of me. Because 'cause <laughs> I'm at the age where increasingly my friends are having kids, and like that's just gonna be multiple years of presence for everybody. Everyone it's, gets uh, an like, orco. Everyone gets an orco. I need to indoctrinate all my friends' kids.
1: <laughs> that you know, like at least Arthur was gonna have your likeness, but like is there like yeah at least you know like you know you you were saying the performance is easier to handle when you don't see your face but like yeah in toy form you kind of well, want to see yourself right yeah
0: yeah yeah like i would not say i'm disappointed <laughs> that the orco doesn't look like me i still feel the same exact amount of pride over it i yeah. think there's like there, there's a um There's a surreal aspect to a thing that looks like you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that doesn't make it more valuable, but that makes it sort of more unreal, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, I I have the pictures to go off of of what the Arthur would have looked like. Well, and the thing too Uh, is that like
1: even the show is long gone and dead. Yeah. Like as we we were talking about NECA earlier, like the toy companies that are around now, yeah, put out the most obscure shit. Who knows. (laughs) I know there may be I know there may be some some tick action because it's still a popular show even though it's not you know making new episodes anymore I know that there is a hardcore fan base for the tick and I feel like the fan base for the tick is similar in and overlaps with like toy collectors that would buy the shit out of seven inch NECA tick figures for example
0: what my dream is right now uh, my my dream is like that either like NECA or uh, Super 7, ideally. Although, I, you know, I'd be happy if it was any company. But in my, in my nerd way. heart. <laughs> but, yeah, sure, if it's Thinkway. But like, the way that like NECA and um, Super 7 are treating Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. right? and now extending to other stuff like uh, Gargoyles and Silver Hawks and whatever, uh, doing like classic cartoon or comic book tick figures in that way yeah because just as a collector i would love like we have the old bandai toys and even just in terms of classic canonical tick you know in his most like iconic sort of visual form yeah right i'd love like super articulated modern standard tick and arthur and captain liberty and Deflator mouse and chair face and all that sort of stuff and then my dream is if those were successful enough in the way we've seen right cuz like neca's now doing turtles movies and cartoon and
1: video right. games and whatever well, i like you know neca yeah. i you know i think of the their boys figures and it's like yeah. you know they could have been doing take figures if <sighs> they're doing Keith, boys figures Keith, i know it drives me insane <laughs> no
0: cuz i do feel like uh, boys is like all my my dream was that NECA would do Tick, right like that was like in my mind's eye the the company I wanted in like the exact sort of like scale and articulation points and everything that they're doing with the boys figures now like that was my dream and uh boys is like all the same people behind this, right right at right. least in the where it's Sony co-producing with yeah, Amazon yeah. based on a cult comic book and there's a degree to which I feel like that could have been me were, <laughs> well that we were like the guinea pig yeah, show for sure amazon for hadn't sure. really done a nerd thing like that before and i would always like talk to the executives and be like shouldn't you be making more merch and they had this very cautious wait and see approach and even in terms of how they like positioned us a comic con and stuff like that right and i feel like they learned a lot of lessons from what they didn't get right on the tick yeah where then i feel like the boys hit the ground running they had the figures ready to i think go. about that like, all the
1: time i actually i really. I know do. i feel like i
0: missed it by like a hair where if <laughs> we had been the second show right you know then we would have had figures to coincide with when season two came out yeah um but but yes no it drives me crazy i still <laughs> you know i would love to see someone do the classic tick and then hope that maybe someday selfishly that also leads to doing uh, Warburton era figures and and figures from our era. yeah
1: I think I think that is a, you know signs say that's probably going to happen one day I think like I said especially Eventually. a company like NECA yeah. like they it's in their wheelhouse I can see them doing I also that I just think
0: the the character designs were so I mean, no one poetic. ever thought
1: they would we would get April O'Neil and uh casey figure from the 1990 teenage ninja turtles movie just,
0: yeah that gargoyles line would have <laughs> but, been unfathomable
1: three years ago the fact that neck is even making this stuff is just right, wild beyond like imagination. oh they're
0: gonna go 20 characters deep into this yeah. like it's it's wild i mean i just remember having a moment on the set of season two uh there was a for people who haven't watched the show there was a um a team called the flag five that was sort of like the universe's equivalent right of i mean justice that's why League. i think
1: of like the boys figures would look similar right. to the flag five figures right
0: right right and so there was like the first day we were shooting the sort of like hall of justice sitting around the round table in our red and white striped chairs scene and it's like five characters all wearing costumes and it's like me the tick ms lint in her joan of arc costume <laughs> sage the supernumerary and bronze star And I just remember looking around the room and saying to them, like, if we don't get action figures of this, someone has really fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how how can we have these designs in front of us and still not have uh, uh, toys? But, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully someday. We'll see. But the art— I, I have no complaints about uh, Orko not looking like me. I certainly feel <laughs> no. I I, the exact
1: I I can only imagine how amount exciting of pride and I Cannot wait yeah. to to be a toy collector who gets to do a show where you get your own toy. So congratulations on that, Thank and you. and Definitely. all of the success that you've had with Revelation. I am super excited for part two coming out November twenty third on Netflix. Uh, fuck the fans who are like complaining about this. This is like the best version of He Man that I could have possibly imagined um i i, I but, said that in my review when i wrote it um everything everything that the the show does is so smart the writing is so great and the acting the voice acting is so on point you guys are knocking it out of the park so don't get don't let the assholes online like uh deflate you i know that i know that when i, I watch no, like no. fat man no. kevin yeah. gets like really upset and stuff it's like don't let them get to you because like it's, there are fans who, who yeah but 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 don't, you're never going to please those fans, right? No, it's like, no. I'll say this. I'll say this to this point. Make the show for me is what I'm saying, Griffin.
0: I, I also think uh, yes. And and <laughs> as much as the people who hate the show want to believe otherwise, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. The thing that's a bummer is like the level of aggression to the criticism because I am completely fine with criticism and I also understand uh, I mean, this gets back to what I was talking about, about, but sort of just like trying to free myself of any preciousness about any of these sure, franchises, sure. right? Where I'm like, there's going to be no definitive version of he Well, that's there the There are thing. people where for them, the canon is the mini comics that came with the figures and that filmation was a watered down version of that absolutely or you grew up on 2000x or you thought 2000x was an abomination or you like the bios that were on the back of the packaging for classics or you like the modern dc comics or whatever it is right where i'm just like all of these are just an interpretation of these things we're gonna continue rebooting these characters for the rest of time for better or worse um i watched this show and objectively i'm like it's so cool I get to be part of the exact He-Man show that I always wanted to right. see. Like what you said. And it, it's, I truly don't think it's a biased opinion because uh, I've been – there are a lot of things I've been part of that I think are dog shit. And when those <laughs> things happen, I don't go on podcasts to promote them. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I just never speak about them publicly ever. I I, mean, um, I just
1: love how it threads the needle because it's still like my eight-year-old self would have yeah. loved this show in 1983, right? And yeah. and my 40-something-year-old self loves the show now. Like, it's it speaks to both sides of me, right? And I think to your point, like, there are, like, the fans who bitch about Revelation, the fans who bitch mm-hmm. about The Last Jedi, like, all of those, like, they're the same type of fans, right? Like, they don't like yes. that Tila's at the center. They don't like that Andra's Black. They don't like, like, all of those things. Right. Like, we have to filter them out. Yeah. Right?
0: And, and like, I have seen valid criticisms from people who dislike the show For reasons that are not couched in those reactionary things. And that's fine. And that is super fine to me. The bummer for me is when it feels like it's this defensive political thing you know people who are saying i don't like the show because it's too political and i'm like you're the one politicizing (laughs) it yeah you're the one projecting shit onto it acting like this show is attacking you but but also it's just like then maybe this version isn't for you right that's totally fine you know like i as i said i love Fozzie bear i love the muppets maybe two out of every three modern muppet things that come out i go
1: not for me didn't love the jason siegel movie right
0: like, I did love
1: that, right? Oh, no, but wait, like, the, the other... second one. The second one was the I one. I love
0: that. Was... That's, no see, that's the one that I like more than most people. Oh, okay. <laughs> and other people don't like that, you know? <laughs> but then, like, some of the stuff they've done since then, I'm like, eh, you know? So it's, you just, you need to accept that, like, if there's a version of these characters, of these stories that you don't connect to, 100%. it's not an insult to you or the property. It's like, this one is for someone else. And there will probably be another one that's for you again soon.
1: Yeah, there will be your Rise of Skywalker. And there were other Skywalker. versions before this that were
0: for you. <laughs> Someone right, will make Rise right. of
1: Skywalker for you one day.
0: Right, right. I just feel
1: like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: I, I'm not one of these people who's like, if you don't like the show, then you're not a real fan. Yeah. My stance is, if you're saying that someone's not a real fan, then that sucks. Right, 100%. Uh You should let whoever likes whatever version of the thing like it. And if you don't like it, then it's not for you. I mean, you know, it makes sense. You want to love it, whatever. That's cool. I understand your disappointment. I felt it as well for other things.
1: That's a mature fandom that I think you and I have learned over the years. Right. Because like, yeah, I used to do. I used to feel that way about the prequels. I used to feel that way about totally. the Zack Snyder movies. Like, like yes. there are things that I don't agree with. But then I got to a point where it was like, why do I have to be mad about it? like yeah my yeah. batman is maybe this version and you can have that version you know what I mean? and, and it's like i don't have yes. to hate it and and degrade you because you don't like the same thing i like you know
0: that's that's my whole thing so it's like i i'm you know i love anyone who loves this version of the show i totally respect anyone who doesn't love this version of the show i ask people not to attack each other right. over which versions they like more that having been said it's like when I see like fan art or like last night, my YouTube al- algorithm gave me a super cut <laughs> that someone had made of like all the Orko scenes in revelation. And I, you, you sense that there is at least some section of the fandom that is latching onto the specific version that you helped make. Right. It right. feels so cool that like yeah. anyone is accepting this as being a proper part of the legacy of this thing. A uh, 100%. Griffin, yeah. I could and talk the, And the figure feels like a part of that. Yeah, I mean, I relocated over to the corner of my apartment. That's my whole Orko collection. And we had so many things to talk about <laughs> that we didn't even talk yeah. about any specific items. But yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I can. I already see, like, you have the classics Orko. It looks like you have a prototype of the vintage Orko. Is that what that is?
0: This is a guy who makes these... I don't know his name, and I apologize in advance. But on Etsy, he does, like, porcelain castings oh, wow. of classic figures. So this is, like a a one-of-a-kind, not one-of-a-kind, but they're handmade, limited-run awesome. porcelain
1: orcos. Yeah. Um, do you have I the have... vintage that what, that came with, like, the zip line thing, I think? Didn't he... I do. Where is he here? Uh, there this is he... real with, fascinating for people who are only listening with, to this. With the way. cord yes. in there.
0: Yeah. Um, and then I had to collect a different one to get the, the coins for the magic trick. Nice. Because it's hard to get those intact. I have almost everything now. I mean, it was a good quarantine project is, like, was I that the goal? First... Just
1: get like every version of Orko that's been out there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Which, look, there are other tendrils of my Motu collecting, but the the Orko one is the one where I'm completest. where it's like, can I get Orko in every form factor plush? <laughs> nice. You know, I have the erasers, I have keychains, I have like this, the sideshow statue here that's like the super high end orca let me take this off of
1: its base but like this badass yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: hyper detailed orca um you got the 2000x
1: the... one somewhere right
0: i have three of them because there were very minor variations so there's like this is the 2000x one right yeah which i think and that statue is based on right it's sort of yeah i think inspired by uh, the four horsemen redesign and then this is from the later when they did like the he Man versus the Snake Man mm-hmm. for Year Two Revival. So it's a, the exact same figure in a different colorway, <laughs> right? Uh, that's a little more cartoon accurate. And then I have packaged here the Chase, which is the exact same figure except the color of his necklace is silver <laughs> instead of gold. <laughs> And same with the wand. Uh, so yeah, I, I have almost everything now. So you really are complete. Now.
1: Is what you're saying
0: with Orco? Yes, I was with Arthur, and I am with Orco, and the Orco one has proven to be a lot more difficult than the Arthur <laughs> one. And I'm maybe like three items away for having everything that I'm aware of. But you go to PowerCon, you meet other Orco fans, and they start to tell you about things you didn't even know existed, and you're like, Ugh, now I have to add that to my list. So like, are you? I need to find the Orco Nightlight.
1: <laughs> so, but you're, are are you? like limiting yourself to like official orco products because if you start like going down etsy like you know rabbit holes I, you'll never right.
0: correct correct i mean like that porcelain out. one is an etsy rabbit hole right uh my my friend uh already made this one for me that's a crochet orco sure. that i like love that i mean incredible. if your friend
1: makes it that's that's
0: that that's <laughs> and, an and exception <laughs> sometimes i will see a craft thing that i like so much that i get it but yeah. i i I'm not telling myself I have to buy any Orco <laughs> that anyone makes, but I do want every officially produced one and then any of the craft ones that really so there has to that. have
1: there has to be like a t-shirt with a big O on it that's someone
0: that's the thing I cannot find uh, you would think wild i have there's the hoodie where is it it's in the other one uh, now. yeah 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 but with the, with you, that zips up
1: the right so face. it's like a
0: costume hoodie with the hat and everything on it i have that which like functions as sort of if you hide the hood and, <laughs> the, and that face covering and the hats removable you can make it just a hoodie with the big o on the center mm. the other thing i'm always sort of pushing mattel on is i'm just like making like a and I don't care if it's classic, if it's Revelation, if it's new show, uh what have you, uh it feels like such a gimme to do like a quote unquote life size plush Orko. Like the way yeah. Mattel has made so much money off of those Grogru plushes.
1: Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like
0: where you just have the plastic head and, and hands. And Orko's like such a similar character at a similar size. He's very you know, huggable. But, but
1: that's the thing too with like the Remergence of Masterverse and Origins, yeah. like, when you go down the Target and the Walmart aisles, like, the fact... You know, we talked about the distribution problems of uh, right. Hasbro. Mattel doesn't have those problems. Like, every toy no. aisle I walk down, it is filled with and And masters. you're
0: seeing origins uh masterverse and the uh, he-man and the masters of the universe yeah. like three different lines for one property at the same time i'm just like just throw a plush orco in there it <laughs> doesn't need to be my orco well, now that, it's well, fine, now that orco's but...
1: out right Or it's coming out with the yes. maybe that opens the floodgates and who knows, maybe hoping. part two there's some orco i don't stuff. know mm-hmm. i don't know i mean i'll
0: just i'll uh, look there are other things they've told me are in the pipeline because of being burned by the tick i'll believe it only when <laughs> i see it so the only one that actually feels tangible to me is the one that they've shown yeah but uh orko has multiple looks in the first half of the the season right uh we've only gotten one of them as a toy the sort of like weakened mm-hmm. Orco in his last stand uh, uh look uh there's still the revelation design of the, the classic filmation he, he could come with
1: like a big bubble or something right yeah,
0: that was, I mean, look, I'm being selfish, but when they were like, he's too small to sell by himself, I'm like, make a pack that's multiple Orcos <laughs> with a bunch of spell effects and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: But, like, I don't know, maybe conceptually, if Orco were to be in other episodes of the show, he would have yet another look that also could maybe be worthy of merchandise. So, I, I don't know. I, I Hopefully, I don't know, they keep making stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, Griffin, yeah. I'm, I could probably talk to you for the rest of the evening but we should probably stop there Uh, this has been the longest merchandise spotlight ever yeah finally i i win yeah (laughs) yeah take that david where can um people find you on the internet and what can they look forward to on blank check
0: uh, blank check. We're finishing up John Carpenter, uh, which we've been doing for the last whatever months. That's my podcast uh, that you've so kindly mentioned. He hosted David Sims, a film critic from the Atlantic. And we go through entire filmographies of directors who have massive success and got quote unquote blank check status at some point. So we've been doing John sometimes those for the checks. last bunch of months clear. And sometimes they bounce baby. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> we've been doing John Carpenter <laughs> and announcing soon who we're doing at the beginning of 2022. Um, but yeah, that's the main thing. Uh I'm trying to be on social media less and less. Good but for I'm, you. On, I'm I'm at Griff Lightning on those places and and watch uh, uh, season two of uh, Masterverse uh, Masterverse <laughs> Motu Revelation. Masterverse is the toy and line. And buy
1: the toys. Buy the Masterverse toys. Well, certainly
0: buy the toys. Yeah, and uh, watch the second half of the season, which I'm very impartial to because uh, I'm not in any of those episodes. Because why would I <laughs> be? You're because dead. we all saw Orca die. You're dead. You're very dead. Right. I'm very dead.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been such an honor and a pleasure. This is this is my, like I said, my sideways entry into the blank check universe. So I, I appreciate it. The pleasure's all mine. You can follow me on Twitter at the real child, the underscore real underscore chow, and follow the podcast at ShelfConnoc. Our theme song is recorded by the one and only Jamie Noguchi. Also go to hardknockmedia.com to find this and all of the podcasts in the Hard Knock family. Subscribe on youtube.com slash the nerds of color for the video and Apple Podcasts for the podcast. Give us a rating and review if you do. That'll help people find the podcast. Appreciate all the support. And always remember, Shelf Conscious is where we come collect.